everyone. Welcome back to the District 3 Podcast. My name is Irvin. This is episode 160. Um, I said Irvin this time. Usually I say Irvin. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to get people, forcing people to say the name the way that my mom actually um, wanted it to, to sound, which is Irvin. Um, but I'm here with someone who I've actually wanted to meet for a while, and, and this is the first time that we're meeting. She is currently the morning anchor in KNWA Fox 24, Crystal Martinez. Thank you for joining me, Crystal. Yes, thank you, you so much. I am doing so well. And like you said earlier, I feel like I know you. Yeah. You know, we've done so many stories with you and the great work that you do in the community. And so it feels like I'm meeting a friend. But this Same. is actually our first time meeting in person. Same. It is weird, though. When you meet someone, <laughs> when you just kind of see someone through social media and then you meet them in person, it's like, it's, it's interesting, you know, it just is. to see. Uh, to, I know I've met people. With you, it's a, it's a different situation because you're a personality on the news. But I've met people that, you know, on social media might be super energetic, give all yep. these different vibes, and then you meet them in person, and they're just like, they exactly. don't really say anything. Exactly. I run into the same thing, and that's why now I just take the approach of introducing myself to mm -hmm. everyone versus, like, getting all excited. Like, hey, yeah. you're funny on social media. Tell me yeah. a joke here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. And you are originally from Texas, right? I am, yeah. You born there? Born and raised Dallas, Texas. I grew up in Mesquite. We moved to Rowlett. Uh, this is about like 30 minutes east of Dallas. So it's kind of funny because everybody asks me, you know, where are you from? And I'll say Dallas, Texas. But then they're like, oh, okay, well, what part? And then I'm like, well, okay, I'm actually from Rowlett. It's like east of the city. And then mm -hmm. that's when I get the, oh, you're not from Dallas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People do that all the time, even with Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they'll say they're from Los Angeles, but then they're from some town nearby. Exactly. Same with Houston. Yeah. But I mean, it's so big. And yeah. Rowlett was so small that I feel like people won't Arlington, know if I can say that. Yeah. Arlington's close by to Garland. Garland is near me. Oh, they it are? near Rowlett. Okay. Mm -hmm, right next door. And where is your family originally from? Because Martinez. Yes. So my mom's side's actually from Mexico, but she's mm -hmm. about third generation. Um, my dad's side's actually from South America. My okay. grandma was born and raised in Quito, Ecuador, okay. and my grandpa was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia. So mm. they both immigrated here, and then my dad's first generation. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so how, how was that experience? Because... You know, I was I was uh, born in California, but I'm the first generation American in my family. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents uh, came from Mexico, spoke Spanish in the mm -hmm. household all the time. How was your experience? Because I'm guessing you probably spoke English mainly at your, yeah. at your house. It was a very different experience, and I've learned that growing up. It did come with a few privileges, too, because we did speak English. I actually do not speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. I have been trying my hardest to learn and getting over that fear of, quote unquote, sounding dumb when speaking Spanish mm -hmm. because I'm embarrassed and I don't want anyone to call me out, you know, but the best way I can put it, and it is a cliche these days, but it's what Selena said on her mm -hmm. movie. It was almost feeling like, oh, you're too white for the American kids mm -hmm. or you're not white enough for the American kids, but you're not Mexican enough for mm -hmm. like the Latino kids. So it was interesting. You know, my dad being first generation, I was very thankful because he was able to help me appreciate what I was given as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, my dad is one of the hardest working people I've known in my life. He mm -hmm. had me at a very young age. My parents were 19 and 20 when they had me. Mm -hmm. He worked as a shoe sales manager until he decided to go back to college and get a degree in accounting. Um, so I remember seeing him dealing with the first generation struggles of not knowing how to apply for college, financial aid, you know, finding what is his spot in this community, in this world, what are his passions. Yeah. But I mean, his drive 
to accomplish his goals has motivated me my entire mm. life. So I feel like I've gotten that from him. Uh, my mom, she didn't go to college, you mm. know, but she still landed a successful job. She raised my brother and I, and I mean, I would say she did a good job at that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Yeah, right? But, uh. um, but I mean, even her too, I think just pushing through the struggles of being a young parent mm -hmm. and providing what they could for us that gave me a lot of appreciation as a child too, especially now. I mean, I'm 27. By this age, my parents were raising two kids and like, I couldn't yeah. imagine. <laughs> you ever think about that? Because sometimes I'm, sometimes before we even got a house, mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, man, how do these people do it to have like four kids and, you know, still have a roof over their head, still be able to provide. Exactly. And, you're, and then you, you're kind of questioning yourself. You're like, man, I don't think I could do this. How do they, how do, they do this? How do our immigrant parents, uh, get stuff done yeah like this, exactly you know? yeah and I look at my grandparents too I mean with my grandma you know she speaks Spanish mm -hmm. um, but my grandpa he's since passed away he owned a car lot in Dallas again an entrepreneur a businessman you know he always said I'm not working for anybody I'm my own mm -hmm. boss and like he did that and I just feel like that mentality has stuck with our family you know mm -hmm. we're hard workers we're overachievers you know, we set out our goals to accomplish them. And we have that support system within our family, too. So I'm just very appreciative of that. And yeah. I think they've helped instill those values in me. And talking about going back to what you said a, a few minutes ago, there's a lot to dissect. There. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're talking about how your family is Mexican, American, Ecuadorian and Colombian. Correct. What does the culture look like for you? Like, what do you celebrate in your household? Do you have any special traditions or anything like that? Because, I mean, Mex as Mexicans, we have our traditions, right? Yeah. As Americans, we do things like, you know, uh, fireworks on 4th of July, even though. Right. Uh, yeah. For you, how does that look like? I mean, that's where I think me growing up as an American comes into play. We don't really do a lot of traditional events, mm. Mexican traditional events, nor South American traditional events. My grandma cooks traditional food. But um, funny story, not to like keep going on different tangents, but I joined a Latina-based sorority in college, Kappa mm -hmm. Delta Chi. Mm -hmm. And it was through that sorority I learned more about Mexican traditional values and Dia de los Muertos and yeah. the different celebrations to do. With my family, I mean, we, we really didn't. We did Fourth of July, you know, Christmas. We do Christmas Eve, uh, the 24th, mm -hmm. a pretty big celebration, which I know is is quite common in yeah. Latino families. But uh, other than that, no, we, we really didn't do it. And I wish we had. I I think that's why I want to learn Spanish now, plus, you know, being in news and learning more about my culture, too, so that when I do have my children, I'd like for them to celebrate things mm -hmm. like Dia de los Muertos. So I know that there's like a long history in Texas and in California, specifically with people of color uh, that come from, uh, you know, Latin families to try like their, their parents kind of like not force them but encourage them to assimilate to the culture mm -hmm. of the U.S. Um, do you have experiences like that with just your family in general? I I personally never really did. My parents mm -hmm. were just kind of like speak English but speak Spanish. It's important. Mm -hmm. And they would tell me like you speak Spanish all the time so you don't forget it you know and, and that would be like the, the main language. Yeah. Um, did you have any experiences like that? At I all? mean I that I would say that it was intentional experiences. I think it just is a matter of where you're growing up, right? So because I grew up in Rowlett, went to Saxe High School, mm -hmm. uh, a, you know, a school that didn't have a lot of minorities, I just wasn't as in touch with gotcha. those traditions and mm -hmm. things like that, and especially not knowing Spanish. Um, I did have friends growing up that were obviously like Latino or yeah. of other minority cultures, and they helped me mm -hmm. kind of get an, an inside look as to what that means to them. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for my family, I mean, we 
were just more so of like getting me through school and focusing on having like food on the table and mm -hmm. providing for the family. And I think with that kind of the traditional stuff fell to the back burner. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. And, and also talking about, you brought up Selena. Mm -hmm. um, Love her. I was going to ask you, since <laughs> you're from Texas, what, yep. what does Selena mean to you? Oh man, she's an idol to me. I mean, I was, I was born in 95, right when she died. Oof. So I obviously did not know. Did she died 95? I think so. Or 96. Okay. Yeah, I believe it was One 95. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't alive long enough for me to ever, you know, see her yeah. in like concert or anything like that. But growing up, that's all I did was sing Selena songs. I mean, there are photos of me with red lipstick mm. all over my face. My mom has this story she loves telling that she caught me cutting my hair. And it was to like my shoulder length. And uh, she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I want to be like Selena. Mm. <laughs> so and then, of course, with her being in Corpus Christi and I have family in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. When we go visit, you know, we always stop by her statue in Corpus Christi and pay yeah. our respects. So. I just think that she really represented the Chicana culture mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah, and I, and I was just ima trying to imagine how it would be like to live in a state where there's someone like Selena mm -hmm. that created so much history, left so much, and inf influenced so many, so many things, so many people. Um, and that must have been cool, you know, to be to be raised in Texas um, and have someone like that that you can look up to. Yeah. And I feel like she she influenced not only like in music, but I feel like even. And you know the wear the way pe the way women wear makeup mm -hmm. or their hair. You know, yeah. I feel like a lot of it. I see Selena and like a lot oh, of her these, fashion. Yeah, you know that's another thing. But I think watching the movie and again, I know it's a movie. Yeah. But what it depicted in the family values is what like I felt represented my family too. Just being mm. very tight knit, very connected, and again that cultural balance of like you know being American, being proud of being American, following those American traditions, but also remembering your background and where yeah. you're from. And she also didn't speak Spanish. She sung yeah. her songs in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And that's where I relate, because like I can sing songs in Spanish all day long. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm saying, <laughs> which has gotten me in trouble a yeah, few yeah. times. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just it was it was nice to see that representation because it made me feel accepted. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I'd have some of my Latino friends who would just kind of be like, oh, you you're not considered one of us. You don't speak Spanish. Mm. Like, how can you do that? And that hurt because it wasn't yeah. like a fault. You know, yeah. nobody didn't want me to speak Spanish. My parents were just young. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of other stuff going on. It just didn't happen, unfortunately. And going back to that quote um, that you were talking about, you know, the whole, um, I, ha I have some like experiences with that because, yeah. you know, when they said, what was the quote again? It was exactly like it, it was, was. You're not Mexican enough for, for the Mexican kids, right? And you're not white enough for the American kids. That's that's such a true quote um, that I still I feel like it still affects me today. Mm -hmm. um, let me use as an example. You know, when you're here in the U.S., you know, me and you we're pretty dark. Mm -hmm. You know, we're dark skinned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that we've probably experienced things in life where because of the color of our skin, you know, mm -hmm. maybe we're treated differently. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the times, you know, worse in, in my situation. Um, and in the U.S., that happens all the time. It's like your people look at our skin and say, oh, well, this person's probably, you know, uh, an immigrant or they're not from here, blah, blah. And there's been times when I've gone to Mexico and uh, and I'm around my parents' families and I'm, I slip in an English word in there somewhere mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, this guy's like American, you know, over yeah. here. He's not, he's not one of us. And you're, and you're like, then wh where do I fit in? Yeah. Like who, like who am I? Like I, I, I don't fit in here and I don't fit in there. Once I got older, 
I realized I, and I listened to, and I listened to that quote in that movie. I was like, wow, that's so, so true. Exactly. I, I think for me, it was more of, I felt bad hearing those things. I felt guilt and I kind of felt a little bit like of my parents, like, why didn't you teach me? You know, my mom doesn't speak Spanish. Um, she can understand it, you know, and my dad does and also understands it. So he's bilingual, but I just, I, I think for me, why it was so hard was because it just seemed like a bad thing, you know, mm. oh, you don't know Spanish. You're not proud of your, you know, culture. No, yeah. that, that's not it. I will say though, now that I'm older, I'm holding myself accountable and I'm telling you, I'm on Duolingo. I've got like all the apps. I am trying to get over that fear of, oh, I don't want to you know, sound dumb or say something wrong, and then I feel embarrassed. Yeah. And then I won't speak it again. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, yeah, I wonder if it's, is it harder to learn Spanish, like, when you're older? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily harder. It, it probably is, you know, just because we have so much, like, our brain has developed so much already. Mm-hmm. You know, so in that aspect, probably so. I think for me what it is is that fear of embarrassment. You know, mm. and the older you get, the more you are like anxious about it. And, you know, I've been trying to push myself, like even if I go somewhere to eat, just order yeah. in Spanish, you know, start off slow that way and practicing. Um, I have friends now in the area. It took mm. a while to, to make some new friends outside of work because we're so busy um, that are Spanish speakers and they have been willing to practice with me. That's the other part of it, too. If you don't practice, you're not going to be able to like retain it. Yeah. I feel like you probably need to move into Springdale then, Crystal. <laughs> right? I, I mean, like I'm it, living in Benton County right now. Oh, so, yeah, and I, I visit Springdale quite often. So, like I said, it's it's my own fear that's in yeah. the way right now. And I've been working on it, um, oh. but feeling more comfortable around people like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if I were to practice with you, mm-hmm. I could get through it. <laughs> As someone who never learned how to swim. Oh wow! And, and okay. thinking yeah. and thinking about uh, learning how to swim now. Yeah. As I'm 30 years old. Well, yeah. It's like. It is embarrassing, you know, and it might be more and more embarrassing for me because I'd be in public doing it, you know, (laughs) probably with all these little kids around me and (laughs) and me trying to learn how to swim. But I feel I feel like you can do it. You know, I feel like you're a very smart person. And I feel like sometimes it's just practice and just like listening to Spanish TV shows sometimes. I know people have, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, Sabado Gigante. I do not. So Sabado Gigante was like the biggest Latino uh, program from like the. 80s to the early 2000s it was on Univision every Saturday night Mm -hmm. a lot of people uh, have given testimony saying that they learn Spanish just by listening to that program every Saturday night so TV I guess helps in some way um, with that but and I I think you'll be able to do it I think I think I think just just practicing Uh, I hope so too especially with my career I feel like it's just it's not giving a voice to a community that I could be helping Mm -hmm. and you know especially being Latina that is some guilt on me too because it's like, man, this is my job, you know? Mm -hmm. I should know because it's part of my job to give a voice to everyone in this community. Yeah. But we we work around it. We find translators and things like that, so. I think the the fact that you acknowledge that's important. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Because there's people that don't acknowledge it or maybe they just don't know, you know? But luckily you got to a point in life where you're like, okay, maybe it would be a good idea if I learn if yes. I learn Spanish, you know, yes. and, and and you're already doing a good job representing representing because anytime that someone can look at KNWA mm-hmm. News and see a person of color there, that's already enough and like inspiration for other women of color that mm-hmm. want to become journalists and they see someone like you and they're like, oh, it, it's possible. Yeah, you I know? hope so. I mean, that's what inspired me growing up. I watched Good Day uh, in Dallas growing up mm-hmm. and their reporter, Jenny Anchando. Mm-hmm. She was one of the first Latina reporters I remember watching growing up and being like, wow. 
that's cool. Yeah. She's on there. She's doing it, you know, on English on an English TV station too. So yeah. if she can do it, I can do it. And I and I I you know I see K and W A C U. I and then when I used to see uh, Jennifer being mm-hmm. out there there too, I thought that was cool just because it's like, oh, a brown woman right. on on this kind of, of news channel, if it was inspiring to me, I imagine how more inspiring it's going to be for women of color to see you. And that's why it's, I feel it's important for you to be here in this podcast because yeah. we have a lot of people of color that listen, and I just want them to see that someone like you is there and is doing a great job, you know, yeah. in, in representing. Well, I appreciate that. That does mean a lot to me. I hope so, too. <laughs> and I think we, we didn't talk about, you know, why you wanted to get involved with journalism. How do you choose this field? Uh, what inspired you and motivated you to to be a journalist? Yeah, so the story is pretty funny because it was in high school actually, and I had just completed my freshman year, and my friend and I were like, okay, freshman year's over with. Let's let's do something different. You know, I'm someone who's always like, make your mark wherever you're at, make your mark. So my question to her was, how do we do that? And we decided to join the high school newscast. So we did it my sophomore year, and I fell in love with it. Mm. I mean. It's so much more than being on camera. If, if that's what you're doing it for, you're not going to last long in this industry because it is a lot of hard work. And even in high school, for me, having that camera in my hand and being able to tell people's story, that fulfilled something in me that nothing has come close to like creating that same feeling within me. We were doing sports, uh, fine arts, you know, organizations, uh, some of the lunch ladies, you know, mm. just people that you might not normally talk to because you don't have the same interests or maybe you get caught up in your own life, whatever it may be, you're now hearing their story. And yeah. like, how cool are these people mm. to be balancing all of this? I just, I fell in love with storytelling. And after my sophomore year, you know, my my teacher, I have to give it to him, Mr. Cedabaca and Mr. Reed, um, they were the ones that told me, you got to go to school for this. Mm. You've got a talent. You know, you're easy to talk to, you present well, and you're passionate. Mm. And that is a required skill that some people, you know, may have for a little bit, or they just don't have it because they want to do it to be on TV, yeah. you know. And uh, it's just, it's so much more than that. So that's what got me started. And I actually started off at community college first. Mm-hmm. I did two years community college, Collin College, go Cougars, mm. <laughs> uh, back in North Texas. And then I went to school for broadcast journalism for two years at the University of North Texas. And that's where I graduated my degree. Um, I, I think it's important that you, that, you, uh, that you did mention that about, you know, uh, your newscast. Mm-hmm. Because that kind of got my inspiration to to do media. Like I was in Bulldog News in Sprino High School. Oh, nice! I did the. Yeah. I was one of the anchors too, yeah. and I did like the the morning announcements. Oh, uh, fun! Yeah. And it, it's funny because like I I have one of the most monotone monotone voices, you know. But I love doing it. Mm-hmm. I liked you know in, informing people uh, about what's going on and and also just um, the fact that you're able to to highlight good people doing good work. I think is important. That that's kind of the biggest motivator for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw in your bio also that you you lived in Oklahoma too. Yes. So um, right out of college, my first job was in a small market, News Twelve, and they cover Sherman, Denison area, but they also cover Southern Oklahoma. So my first job out of college was a bureau reporter, so working in a small satellite office uh, in Ardmore, Oklahoma. And that to me was, man, such a blessing Mm -hmm. because 
you're talking to a girl who grew up in the suburbs of North Texas, right? And moving to Southern Oklahoma, especially being a reporter, I realized, man, I'm kind of naive. I haven't learned a lot of things in life. I mean, that's just yeah. the reality of mm-hmm. it, you know? I, I was 24 and, and, you know, learning about the economy and the housing market and, yeah. you know, a little bit of, of harder topics like substance abuse and mm-hmm. whatnot. And it was... It's where I grew up the most. Mm -hmm. It truly is. And it reminded me why I do this job. Because Mm -hmm. some people who may live in bigger cities, you know, well, what do I care about small town Oklahoma? These are these people's livelihoods we're talking Mm -hmm. about. You have to care. This is what's going on. I remember one of the biggest stories I covered there, and I will always cherish in my heart, was the teacher walkout. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say it was 2018, spring of 2018 in March, but all the teachers in Oklahoma decided to walk out of school to pro- in protest of yeah. getting higher teacher pay rates. Remember that. Yeah, so they all went to the Capitol. I'm by myself, all right? I've got my live view backpack, which is what we use to connect to a camera to go live. Mm-hmm. I got a backpack on, I got a camera, and I got a microphone. And I am running around the Oklahoma State Capitol mm-hmm. following teachers from small-town Oklahoma, yeah. you know, Ardmore, and, like, recording them talking to the state legislators and telling them we want more pay you know what can, you know what are y'all going to do and whatnot and just being a part of that day that mm-hmm. day that was so important to them you know as i'm not a teacher what do i know about that no and that's the important thing is that story is not about me that story is about them no but i'm the middleman to get their message out and so just being a part of all of that it really opened my eyes mm-hmm. and it just reminded me why i do this job so how you, you you say that it kind of like um, you you were naive you felt that you were naive mm-hmm. at that time and this helped you I guess grow as an as a person just in general mm-hmm. um, I kind of feel like just based on on what you've been saying today that you already kind of seem like a person that you know has like strong morals and 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 character that probably your parents raised you right mm-hmm. you know. Uh, <laughs> And you're passionate about this because some people can be naive and go into a, a place like where, where you were at in Oklahoma and let it completely destroy them. Let, let them right. just give up, you know, mm-hmm. like, no, I can't deal with all of this. But yeah. you were able to kind of see the bright side of things mm-hmm. and allow the situation to let you grow. Yeah. Um, would would that would that be like does that sound like 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 I'm telling the truth based? on? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Because it's hard. I think what people don't realize with journalists is we are normally reporting in cities that didn't raise us, you know, communities that we didn't grow up in. I mean, even here, take for example, I'm sure people who have been here for decades can talk about the growth of Northwest Arkansas. I've only been here since summer of 2019, so I don't know too much of that. I know, like, I've seen it. So to be in Oklahoma and to, like, put yourself in a different state, in a different city, you know, miles away from home, totally alone. I can say that now that I'm, you know, (laughs) not living there by myself anymore. But I was. I was living by myself, uh, you know, financially independent. It was just eye-opening the things that I wasn't exposed to mm-hmm. growing up because of, you know, what my parents did to, you know, protect me or whatnot. Yeah. So I think you take that, and instead of being afraid of it or feeling like, oh, well, it doesn't matter to me because it doesn't involve me, it doesn't mm-hmm. concern me. No, my job is to let people know why it matters to this yeah. community. Why does it affect this community? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that that is exactly you're spot on with that. 
just because I, I the, it sounds like a very I don't want to say very difficult job, but it does sound like a, a job where you have to be strong. You do. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I feel like for women, it's you know it's even because the the danger aspect of it, Correct, you know, yeah. of you know women are the ones that are uh, when it comes to um, you know people just being creeps mm-hmm. or 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 dangerous people out there. A mm-hmm. lot of the times they target women and stuff, and being in your own, being by yourself. I have a friend that moved to Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. she's by herself too. And I just feel like that probably even made you a more stronger individual. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's probably a normal thing for journalists that move from state to state, especially when they're alone. They probably just continue to build all this strength. And eventually when they get to the point where they want to be in their career, you know, they're they're so strong. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's also important to like work for a station that you feel supports that safety, right? That they mm-hmm. take safety as a priority versus go and get the story, you know? Yeah. And I've been so thankful that at both of the stations I've worked at, that's how it's been. If we ever felt uncomfortable, if we ever felt like we needed extra help or whatnot, you ask mm-hmm. for it, you get it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that all stations are like that. You know, I've heard and I'm sure we've seen in the news headlines about journalists being attacked. And that is unfortunate because I don't want it to scare off people. But it does put you in the spotlight. I was going to ask you about that because obviously there was like a few years ago there was a Mm -hmm. journalist that was like killed while she was filming. Yeah. Um, You haven't had any situations like that, like when you're out that are, you know, that you feel are a dangerous situation. No, nothing to that extent. Um, but I'm also like, I try, and I'm not saying that she wasn't. I'm saying I try to make sure I, wherever I'm going, mm-hmm. if there is someone who I feel like has been harassing me, I've always let like my bosses know if I feel uncomfortable in a situation. But like that, for example, sometimes there's not a whole lot you can do. She was yeah. just doing her job. Yeah. You know, and that again, came out of nowhere too. It did, yeah. Know? So it's kind of like, you know, do you let the fear take over, Mm -hmm. you know, your goal and your mission? Or do you just try to find ways to make sure that doesn't happen to you? Mm -hmm. It's a tough line to walk. But again, I feel like if I'm not doing this job, who's going to do it? Yeah. You know, with the same passion as I have. I had a a situation like that when I was being interviewed for something and the reporter that I I was with, like there was a person, uh, an individual that was at the park Mm. where we were recording and and they were following the the journalist. Mm -hmm. And I saw that and I was like, I was like, Lauren, like, wait, let yeah. me just walk with you to your car. And I walked with her and the person moved away. But I'm like, man, what if I wasn't there? Yeah. You know, and I know it's and, and I know that that uh, that kind of of uh, dangerous situation can happen in all different em- right. forms of employment. Right. It can be someone that's outside doing gardening or, mm. or anything that can be dangerous. But um, I, I do get what you're saying. Like, if you don't do it who's going to do it the way that you do it. Yeah, and that's my biggest thing. It's just because, you know, my parents especially. Like my mom, she's got my location. <laughs> she, if good. I ever go live, she wants me to tell her, you know, they're, now we're live streaming. That's not a plug. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so they're watching me. You know, they know what I'm covering. So there's that too. I mean, mind you, again, they're coming from Dallas. So there's not a lot they can do. But it. I think it's just that sense of protection. And even in Oklahoma, I had a great relationship with the police department there and the sheriff's department there. And they were the first ones to be like, hey, if you're going to go live this late at night in this part of town, mm-hmm. we're going to have someone out there. That's nearby. good. Yeah. So That's they good. were so supportive. Because I get concerned. Because I, I think I've seen you live before at night. And I'm like, yeah. is there someone there with her? Because right. this is, you know, because then you see all the comments and then and some people are creeps and stuff. And it's like, man, I hope there's someone that's like yeah. not there by themselves. So that, that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but you've been with KNWAs for three years now? Yeah, since summer of 2019. And you you started off as a weekend anchor? Got the job as weekend anchor. So right after Oklahoma, um, 
And, you know, the funny thing is, too, is I never thought about moving to Arkansas. A lot of these jobs. Most people don't. but Right. And yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't think I was going to move to Oklahoma either. And that's kind of the beauty of this job, too, is you kind of get pushed into these different cities and areas you wouldn't expect to end up in. Yeah. And so, yeah, I found myself in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'll never forget my drive in mm-hmm. on 49 through mm-hmm. the River Valley and going through all the hills my palms were sweating. Mm. I was so nervous because there's not guardrails on some of oh, those yeah. parts of the highway. Yeah. yeah. And I've never driven on anything like that. Mm-hmm. I come from Oklahoma and Texas where it's pretty flat. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll never forget. I had my Nana in the passenger seat and she's like, do you need me to take over? And I'm like white knuckled on the <laughs> steering wheel. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Mm. I got this. And like, you know, now I just breeze through that thing. <laughs> 90 miles per hour. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the, we were talking about that road and, and people moving here. Before you came to Arkansas, what was your perception of the state? Like, what, what did you think? I mean, I knew the U of A was in the area, so I knew it was going to be fun. <laughs> There's always, like, the college towns typically yeah. are a good place to move to. But, I mean, I thought it was much like Oklahoma, honestly, just kind of mm-hmm. not a lot going on. Again, just, just pretty small towns, small communities. No. Uh, I did want something a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. mainly just for my social part of life you know you're an extrovert i am an extrovert same oh yeah yeah but i also like need to recharge every once in a while so i wonder if you're well maybe you're an ambivert that's like that's 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 the middle that's when you're like when you can be an extrovert but there's times where you need to be an yeah like i thrive being in social circles and to me it's it's fun Mm -hmm. you know and that's what was lacking in ardmore like i made a great group of friends and they helped with that but I noticed I was traveling to Dallas a lot just because there wasn't a whole lot else to do. They were growing, but, you know, still most of the, the three bars in town closed pretty early. Yeah. Um, There's like a bar in, in the Dallas area like every five feet Oh, or my goodness. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no time to be bored in Dallas. That's for sure. I was there sure. <laughs> uh, a few months ago uh, just chilling, and, and I felt like I was just walking, and there was like bar after bar after bar after bar. I was like, yeah. man, yeah. you know, bars are – are super popular here. Going going back to what you said though about you know you were a, a weekend anchor and then you eventually is it called being promoted to a yeah morning anchor? yeah definitely you, you got the promotion that. and yeah. now you're you're doing the news every morning for KNWA. How does it feel to wake up that early? <laughs> My favorite question that everybody asks. Um, it what does it look good. like? What at what time do you wake up? Okay, so I wake up at two Ugh. two a.m. Yeah, uh, morning routine is washing my face, brushing my teeth. I like to do my makeup at home. I have music that plays. Uh, Sometimes I'll put like meditation podcasts. I like setting the tone for my morning to just to be pretty peaceful and like, you know, kind of get into the groove of things. So you don't do like reggaeton in the morning then? Oh, I mean on the way to work. Yes. That's how (laughs) how I get myself hyped. I'm just trying to wake up at 2 (laughs) a.m. There's like a, I'm not sure if you've seen it, there's like a meme of like Latinas going to work in the morning. Oh, that's me with Bad Bunny blasting. Yeah, Bad Bunny. Like I have to like reverse park like three different times. They can't pull in. I'm hitting the curb on my way in. No, that's me to a T. That's like all the stereotypes right there. Exactly. Hitting the curb, Bad Bad Bunny, loud music. Was Was he your number one on your Spotify? He was number so I have Apple Music, but yes, he was number one, and my top five songs were all five of his songs. Of the new album? Yes. But four of the five albums I listened to were his. Wow. So they were a mix of his new stuff and his old stuff. Yeah, I'm obsessed. That's crazy. Don't ask me what he says, though. Couldn't tell you. You couldn't tell, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I can sing it, and I can sing it pretty well. That's good. That's yeah. good, as long as you can sing it. Yeah. But so yeah, 2 a.m. So 2 a.m., that's when I'm up. Uh, then I get to work around 3.30, and... Uh, 
you know, from there, it's kind of go, go, go. The next thing you know, it's Isn't fine. that like the evil time, 3.30? Oh, is it? It's like oh the, 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 the devilish time, like the, like all the scary movies and stuff. Oh, like, you know what? You're right. Well, look, I'm ooh. awake by that time. So like, don't mess with me. <laughs> I'm awake yeah. and alert. Like, my senses are all all on. <laughs> hey, that's good. That's good. But yeah, and then we're live at 5, 6, and 7 for three hours back to back. Uh, and then right after that, around 8 a.m. is when we kind of get ready for the next day. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, I guess you finish work around this time. And then, then like, do you go to sleep when you get out? <laughs> or, do you, or, or, or do you just try to do things and then go to sleep super early? Yeah, uh, that. I, well, oh. because some morning news anchors will, like, say, I got to take a nap. For me, if I take a nap, I'm not going to go to bed on time. And my biggest thing with, like, becoming the morning anchor has been finding a good balance between work, mental, and physical health. Because your sleep schedule is so off. So I'm very big on eight hours of sleep. So I am in bed by 6.30 every evening. And I tell people, you know, I'll make exceptions. But for the most part, my friends know, if you call me or text me after 6.30 and you wake me up, I'm calling or texting you at 2 a.m. Oh, until you wake up. <laughs> when you wake up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So y'all know how it feels. Yeah. Um, but they're pretty respectful of my time. Luckily, there's settings now on phones, right, where you can, like, block anybody from bugging you around so this time? So you can put do not disturb, but that's my biggest fear because... Family? I, well, that or, like, an if emergency comes up yeah. at work or, like, someone comes in late... I, I think there's a way to like set it to where um, only certain people can come through. Only certain people, yeah, but that's too much. Just don't text me at six thirty, y'all. Just or you'll listen. get calls at three in the morning. Yeah, yeah you're gonna get calls at three in the morning, exactly. Well, so is your is your goal? Uh, which I know maybe you don't have to say it so bluntly because I mean I don't know I don't know what the how that works, but do you, is your goal like to be like a nightly? anchor to do the night news is that kind of what you would like to do you know i i go back and forth honestly and i'll be like transparent with this conversation because i feel like that's important i my initial goal was to get back to dallas Mm -hmm. and i didn't care in what position that be reporter morning anchor evening anchor it's probably more likely to be a reporter Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna be honest and i'm not saying this because i'm on this podcast or i live here i have really come to love this area Mm -hmm. and as i said earlier Living in Oklahoma, you know, you're kind of naive to a lot of things, or I was at the time, and I grew up to, like, learn a lot. I feel like now I'm thinking more about my future and, you Mm -hmm. know, where do I want to plant my roots? And what is the community that I want to raise my children? And this is a really good community. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is. And, And I feel like it's only growing, and it is getting better, you know. And so the goal now, long story short, I don't know. To be honest. Mm. And I was I'm, about to say because here, I mean, in, in Dallas, I feel like there's already so much. There is a lot. People have broken b- barriers all over the yeah. place. <laughs> but here, there's, like, room for you to be the barrier breaker. Yeah, for you to cool. do all these all these things that no one is doing, you yeah, know, in, like in, in this platform, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm not sure if you ever think about that. I love the way you said that. I, I never thought about it that way. You know, to me, it's always been, like, do I feel like this is home? And I mm-hmm. do. You know, we work holidays. I was working Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel homesick because mm-hmm. I had friends, you know, old coworkers, you know, uh, coworkers right now that invited me over. I've had like viewers just tell me happy Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. like that stuff means so much to us. You know, it, it may you may feel like oh I don't want to bother her. Is this weird? But when people do that, it does make me feel like yeah. I'm home. You know, yeah. this is a community. These people care about me, and I care about them too. That's hard to leave. Mm, 
I need to, I need to do that more often then because I, I used to do that like when I, when people would go live when yeah. they were doing like the news and then but they would put the Facebook someone would put their little Facebook phone like right, right, right. while they're recording I'd be like <laughs> hey like I'd be like hey Jennifer like yeah. say all these things but then eventually I was like maybe maybe that's weird maybe I shouldn't no. say that. so now that you're saying that makes me feel better yeah I think it's I think it's cool because oh. to me it's just like okay somebody cares mm. <laughs> somebody out there is listening and it's fun even in the mornings you know I'll have my um, certain amount of viewers that will like message me for our morning mind bender that we do at the end of the 5 a.m. show. And it's just fun because we're mm. all watching together. We're all like playing this little That's trivia cool. game together. Yeah. And it it adds to my experience here. Mm-hmm. And like you can't get that everywhere. And so that mm. like I said, that's hard to leave. Definitely, definitely. And then y'all are doing a lot of good work at KNWA besides what we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. Y'all are doing a magical Christmas toy drive? Yes, yes. So for the next couple of weeks, maybe the next two weeks, we are accepting new unwrapped gifts, uh, toys. If you can drop those off, we have a list of locations on our website, knwa.com. But you can also drop them off at our studio off of Dixon Street. And all the toys are going to go to the Salvation Army and be given to kids like Mm. right here in our community. So yeah, like yesterday, we had a thousand dollar spending limit and we went shopping with outdoor cap and junk brands at mm. Fentonville Walmart and we just bought so many toys bikes footballs soccer balls That's dolls cool. yeah everything and again it's that sense of community that like ugh, it just it makes me love what I do even more and then you also have a competition called is it is it the Red Kettle Campaign? Yes, the Red Kettle Campaign. All right, so no more Mr. Nice. Guy. I was about to say this, this is where the charity ends. Exactly, <laughs> this is where it's all about uh, winning. <laughs> so we have a friendly competition between the morning show and the evening show, the Red mm-hmm. Kettle Campaign. Again, through the Salvation Army, we're helping raise money to go back to our community. But whoever raises the most money wins. We tried to do like a competition thing last year where the loser had to cook the winner either breakfast or dinner, depending on the shifts. So evening team were supposed to come in early and make us breakfast, and then we were going to stay late and make them lunch. And then the loser always also buys shots. And there you go. I like that. <laughs> hey, that, right? <laughs> That's my kind of competition. <laughs> but uh, we'll see if we do it again this year. But, yeah, so if you would love to donate, all that information is also on our website, kwa.com. And, of course, just make sure you're donating to the morning team because we did win last year. Hey. So I'd like to stay winners this year. Hey, sounds good. And they can catch you on KNWA every morning, Monday through Friday. Yes, Monday through Friday. I got to get some sleep in. <laughs> in, case you got, in case you wake up at 5 a.m. for some reason. Yes, yes. So wake up at 5 or 6 and then 7 a.m. on Fox 24. Sounds good. Well, Crystal, thank you for making the time to be here. I really appreciate you being here. And I'm really excited just to hear the feedback of folks, you know, that get to know you for the first time, the folks that haven't watched you at yeah. 5 a.m. or 7 a.m. and hopefully start tuning in and, and you know, just see uh, a positive example that's on TV um, you know, inspiring the future generation of journalists, uh, of like people of color, women of color specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say again, you're doing a great job and uh, we appreciate you here and hopefully you stay here for a long time. Yeah, hopefully so. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Sounds good. Well, that's the end of episode 160 of the District 3 podcast. My name is Edivine signing off. <laughs>